going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you here in just a minute. But I titled the message, Jesus' Early Warning System, Building on a Rock-Solid Foundation. When my son Matthew finished high school, he had an offer to go play football at a small college in Indiana. So we took a traveling trip up there, and we were able to meet the coaches. He met the team, worked out in the gym with them, and spent some time uh, getting to uh, know the college a little bit. And uh, while we were there, my wife and I thought, well, we've never been up here. Let's take a drive. So we took a drive, went down the interstate, and it was a little cloudy, and there wasn't much where we were driving around, just empty fields. So we kind of kept driving and driving. We noticed the clouds begin to get heavier and thicker and almost dark purple. And they seemed to just press down. And then we noticed almost the whole sky was covered with these clouds. Well, we saw, of all things, a Walmart. And there wasn't anything else around, so we thought, let's go into Walmart. So we went in and started looking around. And we could hear the rumbling, and we could hear the thunder. And all of a sudden, over the microphone, the PA system said, everybody move to the stock room in the back of the building. And everybody kind of stopped like, what? Everybody move to the stock room in the back of the building. There are tornadoes in the area. Well, that was a little bit of an early warning, so we all headed to the stock room and gathered back there. There weren't that many people in the building. I think most people had enough sense when they saw all the storm clouds, they didn't get out on the road like we did. But we got stuck in the back of the building. And then for a moment I thought, well, we're 25 miles away from the college. I wonder what Matthew's doing. So we got back in the car after this rough patch of uh, storms passed. And we got back to the single-story hotel. And we noticed the sign wasn't there. And the awning on the front of the building wasn't there. And Matthew seemed not to be there in the room. Until we called his name and he popped up from behind the bed. He had shoved the bed to the wall and got down behind the bed because guess what? They got an early warning system too at the college. They told everybody to take cover. That was a scary moment for us and I think a little more scary for Matthew. We didn't really feel anything inside the building, but he said he heard the rumblings and he heard that awning being stripped away from the building. And man, it was just terrifying. He said it was scary. Well, guess what? Jesus, through this Sermon on the Mount, gives us an early warning system. He lays out a lot of things in this passage. We won't be able to read the whole sermon. You need to take time today, if you would, and read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But let me read the verses we want to focus on at the end of this sermon. Matthew 7, 24. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. 
That word wise that Jesus uses means thoughtful or sensible. That, that's understanding. We understand what that means. And you see, the key in this process that Jesus is talking about is building a solid foundation on the rock. You see, it's not a matter of just hearing the truth, but it's applying the truth. Putting His truth into action is laying a solid foundation. The storm that Jesus is describing here, some theologians believe it's talking about God's judgment, but they also believe it's talking about the storms of life that we face every day just by living. Have any of you been through storms in your life? Well, we all have. We've all had some storm or wind or rain or floods. We've all had some trouble and tragedies. And when difficulty comes, these things represent these storms that Jesus is talking about. And what he's saying here is your ability to weather the storm of life depends entirely upon one thing. Your foundation. When the storm comes, it depends on your foundation. Have you put God's Word into practice? If you have, you'll be able to stand against the stormy trials and tribulations. You'll be able to stand firm against the storms because you've built on a solid foundation and you are standing firmly on the Word of God. And in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, Jesus gives us some foundational truths for life. I want to review some of these issues with you and just listen to what he covers in this wonderful, powerful message. He starts out with the Beatitudes, how to live a blessed life. He instructs us on being salt and being light. Jesus says he came to fulfill the law. There were questions about that. And then listen to these things that he addresses in this sermon. Anger. Lust. Divorce, making oaths or vows, revenge, loving your enemies, giving to the needy, how to pray, fasting, laying up treasures in heaven, generosity, worry, judging others, asking, seeking, knocking in prayer, the golden rule, Warnings about false prophets and a true relationship with Jesus. Man, that's a lot of stuff to cover in one sermon, isn't it? And he lays out these foundational truths for us. So why is it necessary to build on a solid foundation? Because Jesus warns us about trials. Listen to this in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in, you may, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus told us up front, you're going to have trials and tribulations. And then in the sermon, he lays down some foundational truths that we need to be building into our lives to withstand the storms that we're going to face. Even James writes in the very first chapter of James, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In the New Testament, Jesus tells us about troubles and trials. James in the New Testament tells us about troubles and trials. And a rock-solid foundation is necessary, and a 
the way that begins is with a relationship with Jesus Christ, being born again, being saved. And I'll give you that opportunity in just a moment and share how you can do that. But I want you to look at a few elements needing or that are needed in building a strong foundation. Let's start with God's word. Why would we start there? Because Jesus said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Words of mine, what are those? That's scripture. Jesus' words are scripture. It's God's word. The Bible says in Hebrews, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no other living book but the Word of God. There's nothing else that can reach down into the heart like the Word of God. And Jesus says, pay attention to my words. They are God's words. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Listen to what the Bible says. These things are necessary. These words of God are necessary for you and your life and absolutely necessary to build on a strong foundation. And it starts with God's word. And Jesus is actually saying the Bible to them when he's preaching. And they have to hear and understand God's word. Listen to what the psalmist said about God's word in Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to my word. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Doesn't that sound like a commitment from this psalmist? He's committed to God's word. Psalm 119.105, many of you know, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's important to start with God's Word. Jesus started the sermon with words. His words were important. And He told them to pay attention to my words. Listen carefully. I hope you take time to read God's Word. It's important to know and study the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. You present yourself to God approved. Why? Because you've studied God's word. You're seeking out his will. You're trying to understand what he is telling you. You want to know what God's word says. Luke records this same parable in Luke 6, and he says, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, a stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. It says, dug deep. You can have times of devotion where you skim over God's word as you're trying to clear the cobwebs from your head and clear your eyes so you can see. And before you know it, you could finish a chapter or two. And if someone said, what did you just read? You may, may be like me some mornings. I don't know. I, I just read it, but I, I, I didn't take it in. 
what it says is there needs to be times where you take God's word and you lay it down and you push distractions out of the way and you begin to dig deep into God's word. You read it, you meditate on it, you pray over it, you do word studies in it, you, you read a version or two, you get the deep meaning of it. You've got to dig deep into God's word. You, you know, when you're building something, you dig deep to build a foundation. That tower that replaced the Twin Towers, it's 110 feet down in the ground. Well, that's not a lot of feet because it's a really tall building. <laughs> but did you know the first 19 stories are part of the foundation? The offices don't start till the 20th floor. That's a foundation. And they dug deep and they took time to build a solid foundation that could hold the structure. When you have time to read God's Word. And I hope you do it every day. And I hope you do it early in the day. You need to maybe take a pen and a little notepad and you need to start digging deep. What is God saying here? What are specific words that jump out to you when you're reading God's Word? What do you need to pay attention to? So you make sure if you're going to have a time in God's Word that you do it when you can dig deep down because you're working on a foundation and you need to dig deep. Then the warning comes. Matthew seven twenty six, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Why did it fall? Jesus said, because you built on a shaky foundation. You didn't build on a rock-solid foundation. You didn't take the time to get the foundation right. Proverbs 13.13 13 says, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. But he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Just think of that. You bring destruction on yourself when you despise the Word of God. When we don't listen to what Jesus has to say about building on a solid foundation and we decide we're going to use our own building plans and not Jesus' building plans, we're doomed to destruction. That's what God's Word says. That's one of the elements when you start building a foundation. You start with God's Word and you invest time in it and you let it uh, sink into your heart. You let it sink into your mind. You study. It's a good idea to begin to memorize parts of God's Word. Take some small verses and begin to memorize them and put them in your heart so you can carry it with you. That's helping build your foundation. Here's another element. Obedience. Obedience. It's an act of worship and an expression of love for God. Look what it says back again in Matthew 7, 24. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Not only do you have to hear what Jesus said, Jesus says, then you have to do them. Obedience. Obedience to God's word. My wife used to sing this little song with our kids. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience. And she, they could spell that word before they could spell cat because they'd sing that little song. And she reminded them, immediate obedience is obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. 
where they were to obey at the command. Whatever they were told to do, they needed to do. And God is that way. Sometimes we hesitate to be obedient to God's Word. But James says, be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he, holds, for he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he, is, he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If you want to have a foundation that's blessed in your building, start with God's Word, and as you read and meditate and study God's Word, as you understand God's Word, obey God's Word. It's as simple as that. Be obedient to God's Word. You ever noticed if you're building anything or you see any construction sites? You notice the guys that are working? They're not necessarily clean. <laughs> there's a lot of dirt and there's a lot of dust and a lot of mud. I remember going to St. Thomas years ago and we re rebuilt uh, Blue Water Bible College. And uh, I was probably one of about 18 men that went. I was probably 18th on the list of any skills. And uh, so me and the guy that was number 17 on the list, we didn't have any skills. Could, guess what they let us do? They let us mix cement in a wheelbarrow. And then we'd wheel the barrel down a couple of ramps and pour it in a window and then go in the window and spread it out so it would be nice and level. And our hands were just covered with cement. They told us ahead of time, bring a bunch of clothes because it's really hot and uh, we won't have time to wash everything. So I bought cheap T-shirts and cheap jeans and every day I was covered in cement. And so they kind of helped me peel out of those cement-covered clothes, and we threw them away in the garbage, and I'd put on new ones. But every day, at the end of the day, I was dirty. <laughs> My hands had cement all over them. We had to chip it off almost. When you become a doer of God's Word, when you're building a foundation, it will take a couple of things. Dirty hands and a clean heart. You need to work hard building your foundation. And working hard is going to mean you're going to get dirty a little bit. But you go in with a clean heart before the Lord because you've been studying God's Word. You have a desire to obey God's Word. Christianity is a full contact sport. Did you know that? There are bumps and bruises with being a Christian, isn't there? Man, you face storms and trials and floods and winds. You're going to get beat on a little bit. It's a full contact sport. You can't be a Christian from the sidelines. You can be an observer. But if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to get in there. You have to work. You have to build. And you're going to get dirty. You, you can go wash it off at the end of the day and get ready for another day. But you need to walk in with a clean hands and a clean heart and you'll walk out with dirty hands, but a clean heart. So after obedience, what does Jesus say? Trust. What's the biblical definition? Trust. Confidence. A reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or other sound principle of another person. Is Jesus trustworthy? 
The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord. You see, if you've studied God's Word, now you desire to be obedient to God's Word. When Jesus says, build this foundation, and then He says, if you do, and the storms come, take My Word for it you'll be able to stand. What he's saying is, listen to my words, obey my words, and then what I tell you, trust me. If you'll build this way, trust me. Your building will stand because you're building on a solid foundation. So why should we trust God and obey His Word? Isaiah 55, 8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher, my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Think about that for a minute. If His ways and His thoughts are much higher than ours, doesn't it, and it's not a logical process, but doesn't it make sense we should trust God and not ourselves? We lean on God's understanding, not our understanding. God understands everything. He loves us. He cares about us. The point is, He's telling us, you don't think like I do. You don't understand like I do. My ways are higher than your ways. So when Jesus says, trust me, we realize that He means it. I'm trustworthy. You can trust me. When you're in the middle of trials, when you're struggling, take these things to Jesus. Take all your worries. Take all your needs. Take all your hurts your troubles. Take your stresses. Take your hopes. Take your dreams. Give them to Jesus. He calls for you to do that. He calls for us to do that. To come to His throne. You see, He was tempted in all points like we were, yet without sin. He understands everything we're going through. And He says, bring those to Me. Rest in Me. Come to Me. You are or just heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties or cares on Him because He cares for you. Do you know Jesus cares about everything in your life? The stresses that you feel, the desires that you have, the hopes and dreams that you want to fulfill, the needs that you have, all the struggles that you're facing, Jesus cares about every one of those. And He wants you to bring those to Him. And when He says, build this way because you can withstand the storm, He's saying, bring those things to Me, but trust Me. Trust Me with your life. Trust Me with the issues of life. I can be trusted. And then the last thing, prayer. There's God's Word. There's obedience. There's trust. And then prayer. We know we can't do this in our own strength. 
Romans 8.26 tells us the Holy Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf with groanings we cannot understand. He helps us pour our hearts out to God. You ever reached a point where you're just not saying a prayer? You're just not talking with God, but you literally are on your face pouring out the hurts in your heart. Asking for Him to intervene. You ever reach a point where you feel like you can't go on? I've got to pour this out to God. I've got to ask God to help me. And you begin to beg and plead, God, help me, help me, help me. He understands your heart. The Holy Spirit kind of takes all the things that you can't say and says them to the Lord. So you understand that the Holy Spirit is there when you pray. Galatians tells us in 5.16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those who are opposed to each other, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Man, when you're building a foundation, part of that process has to be prayer. You've got to pour your heart out to God. You're having a conversation with the God that made the universe. You think He can handle your problems? You know how big the universe is? Nobody knows. <laughs> you know what they do know? They know how far they can see. If you look it up, it will say, well, as far as we can see... It's 93 billion light years. But we can't see beyond that, so we don't know what's beyond that. So I wonder if God's laughing at people when they're trying to figure out how big the universe. He's like, you have no idea. It's bigger than you think it is. And yet the God that placed all the stars in the sky, the God that gave the name to every star that appears in the sky, even the ones we can't see, that God says, you got problems? I'm here for you. I can fix your problems. Even while I'm managing the entire universe, I got time for you. Just talk to me. Tell me what's going on. I'll have a seat. I'll listen. I'm not going anywhere. I'm taking care of everything at the same time, but I'm taking care of you. Sit at your kitchen table and just have a few moments with God. He's listening, He's not distracted by other things that are going on. He loves you. He's giving you 100% of His attention. And the one that placed the stars in the sky says, will you give me your problems? I'm there for you. I'll help you. Somebody said this, answered prayers are praise, or let me start, start up. Answered prayers are prayers prayed. Answered prayers are prayers prayed. So many times we get busy. We don't have time to pray. You ever have times you don't feel like praying? Yeah, I do. Life and struggles just overwhelm you and sometimes I don't feel like it. And yet it doesn't take me too many moments beyond not feeling like it to realize I need to pray. <laughs> I really do need to figure out how to get started, Lord. Uh, I know you're sitting and waiting. Let me get a seat and start. And you just begin to talk. It may be hard. 
you got stuff on your heart and your mind, but begin to just share those things with God. We are actually commanded to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. It's not continually talking, but it's an attitude of knowing God's there and you're searching after Him and you're trusting Him and depending on Him and you're just having a conversation during the day with Him. Praying helps us overcome temptation. Matthew 26.41 says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So part of that process of building is prayer. God needs to know what's on your heart. He does know what's on your heart, but He wants you to tell Him. He wants to have that loving conversation with you when you're struggling, when you're praying for something. And then praying gives us access to God's wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Man, when you're building something, (laughs) you need wisdom. My grandson got a basketball goal for Christmas. You know, regulation, full-size basketball goal. So we got a table out in the driveway and the three of us, my wife and his mom, opened up all the little packages, laid out all the parts and pieces by package number. We looked at the instructions to see if they were all there. They were all there. And then we started with step one. You ever notice the instructions are written just small enough you can't read them? And the pictures are even smaller that the pictures don't quite show you exactly what you're looking for because something has a hole in one end but not a hole in the other. And which way do you turn it? And which way do you put it? And so, uh, at least in that moment, I had wisdom. I told the girls, y'all read the instructions and we'll see if we can put it together. So we started about two o'clock and we got through the first, I mean, just the very first thing and we kind of celebrated. It looked like, yeah, that looks right. We only put a couple of bolts in something and we thought, this is great. Then we went to the next one. And I keep looking at the table, realizing there's about 400 parts over there. How in the world are we going to get all these in the right place? So I'm almost kind of praying for wisdom and I'm asking the girls as they're telling me what's next, are you sure? Are you sure? I'm trusting you to tell me how to get it together. And so we put a lot of it together and tightened it down and then at the bottom of the instructions it says, do not. And I hated when they said that. I just knew this wasn't going to be good. It says, do not tighten all the bolts. I tightened all the bolts. And then we realized one was a little piece of metal that you were going to insert some tubes in. And we went to put the tubes in the metal so you could put a bolt through it. And the tubes are wider than the metal. That's because we tightened the bolts. (laughs) So we untightened all the bolts. And that little piece of metal spread just enough. They slipped right in. And then we went back to doing all that. And then we kind of agreed, let's don't tighten anything. Till we get everything done and put together, then let's come back and tighten everything. That was two o'clock, and at six forty-five in the dark, with another set of friends that showed up, we put the last bolt together. And the good thing he showed up because of all the bolts they made, this was a different kind of bolt. It didn't come all the way through when you put a nut on the end. It kind of went in one hole, but the other piece was a tube with threads on it that you had to line it up and 
connect it and tie that together. And I was so frustrated, I just gave up. And good thing this older friend came and sat down and he kept playing, playing, playing. And we're kind of tired and sweaty. And all of a sudden we hear him say, got it, got it. So we tightened all the bolts and we set it up and they got to play basketball at almost seven o'clock <laughs> that night after. And I had no plans of doing this for four or five hours. It just happened that way. But you can pray for wisdom. And that's a good idea. When you've got to make some decisions, take a few minutes and pray for wisdom. I love this part. You can pray for strength. Probably heard this passage of Scripture. Let me read it to you. Isaiah 48, starting at 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait, on the, wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall, not, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isn't that a great passage of Scripture? When you need strength, just think about who God is. It even says in there, He's the Creator of the ends of the earth. He's the everlasting God. He never grows faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And He provides strength and power to those of us who are weak and tired. He just does that. That's an amazing passage of Scripture. Charles Stanley said this, we can be tired, weary, and emotionally distraught, but after spending time alone with God, we find that He injects into our bodies energy, power, and strength. Boy, we need that, don't we? There are too many times we just give out from the stresses of life. And we're trying to build this solid foundation and man, it's hard work. But God is there asking for wisdom. He'll give you strength. Boy, and just think for a moment. I'm just praying for our nation this morning, but just think about our nation. Billy Graham said this, and we need a solid foundation in our nation. To get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. It's a good place to start, isn't it? When you're building a foundation, you remember, you start with God's Word. Then you obey God's Word. And as you obey God's Word, and sometimes it doesn't make sense, sometimes it doesn't seem right, and sometimes people are going to tell you you're crazy, you shouldn't do that, but you trust God. You're going to be obedient. You're going to need to trust God. Then as you're building and as you're moving along, building on this foundation, man, you begin to pray. <laughs> And you pray for all your worth. And you get people to pray with you. And you regularly read and you regularly study and you regularly pray. Because building is tough. You wouldn't start building without building plans, would you? I've always learned to look for the instructions even if I can't follow them or read them very well. Start with the instructions. <laughs> That's God's Word. Jesus was giving instructions in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Then he said in verse 25, And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Let me close with this. We're building and we're using those elements of God's Word and obedience and trust and prayer. We're building with those elements. Those aren't the rock. The rock is Jesus. The Bible says, He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. You see, those elements that Jesus is talking about Those words that Jesus shared in the sermon, He's saying, but when you build a foundation, I'm the rock. I cannot be shaken. If you feel like you have not been able to get through some trials and temptations in your life, ask yourself this question. Am I building on the rock? Do I have that right relationship with Jesus Christ? Now listen to me. You may come to church. You may help others. You may have a generous heart. But until you have the right relationship with Jesus, you can't build on the rock. You need Jesus save you now you may be sitting here and say I've I've heard the gospel I believe in Jesus well the demons believe in Jesus the point is do you have a right relationship with the rock and there's only one way to do that in Jesus or in God's infinite wisdom the father sent Jesus as a baby I don't know why. And he lived a sinless life for 30 years. Then started his ministry after 30 years. I don't know why. And then for three years, he healed and he taught and he preached and he led and he was amazing. And then they took him and nailed him to a cross, which he didn't deserve. But he willingly laid down his life. And he laid down his life for you and for me. And when he was on the cross, the Bible says that God took all the sins of the world and put them on Jesus on the cross. And he paid the price for every sin of every sinner. And the Bible says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're sitting here today and you think you've done a good job with your life and you really haven't faced some of those challenges that some people have faced, you're going to. And if you haven't built on the rock, guess where you've built? On the sand. And when those storms do come, you don't have a foundation to stand on. Is Jesus. So hear me clearly again. We're all sinners. Jesus came 
to pay the price for our sin. And he was a perfect divine sacrifice on the cross. And when he died, God accepted the sacrifice of his sin on the cross. That doesn't make you saved because you believe Jesus died on the cross. What makes you saved is when you trust what he did on the cross and you ask forgiveness for your sin and you ask him to take control of your life. And when you do, you can now start building on the rock. Will storms still come? Yes. Jesus says we're going to have tribulation. We have trials and temptations. Absolutely. But you can stand firm on the rock. Jesus will carry you through those storms. Isn't it something when you read about the stories of the disciples on the water and the storms came and they're worried and I probably would have been too, I'm sure, and scared. And uh, Jesus comes walking by on the water. Or He's in the boat and they wake Him up and He's not even bothered by the storm. And then He turns to the storms and does what? He just stopped. The waves ceased. The winds stopped. He just said, be calm. He'll do that for you if you build on the rock. In the middle of the storm, He can say, be calm. I hope today, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you could do that today. He wants to save you. He wants to give you eternal life. That's His desire. That's why He came. It says, the Bible says, He came to seek and to save the lost. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you're lost. And He's seeking after you. I hope today that you will consider giving your life to Jesus if you haven't. And if you have, I hope you're using those elements to build on the rock. I hope you're using God's Word regularly in your life. I hope you're obeying God's Word and trusting God in the middle of every circumstance. And I hope you're praying for all your work and allow God to work in your life. Could you bow your heads for just a moment? Heavenly Father, there may be a number of people here or at Lake Carroll or at Six Mile or watching today that have given their life to You, but they're still really struggling with some trials and temptations in their life and the storms seem to be battering them around so much. I pray that they would begin to build a firm foundation. But Lord, I pray for those that may be here today that know deep in their heart they've never asked Jesus to save them. So my prayer today would be that they would ask Jesus to save them. So if you've never done that, Jesus is ready and willing and able. He just wants you to call on Him. So with all the heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you one time, would you like Jesus to save you today? It's really as simple as just asking Him if you believe in your heart and you ask Him, all you really have to do is say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe in God's Word that it tells me you died on the cross for my sin. So I'm trusting you today for what you did on the cross. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to come into my life and save me. 
Now, if you prayed a prayer like that today, Jesus answers your prayer by saving you. And still with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for you today. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. All I'm asking you to do, if you prayed a prayer like that today, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody anywhere? I want to pray for you. So Lord, today we're thankful that even as you teach and instruct us, you tell us that we can build on the rock. And you are that rock, Jesus. We rest on you. We rest in you. We rest on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I pray for some that may be listening today that have never prayed that prayer. I pray that someone out there listening would give their lives today to Jesus. So Lord, we're thankful for the teaching you gave us but we also know we need to obey and trust and pray as we build on the Word of God with Jesus our Savior. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.